0: Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show. We're really happy to have you here with us today. We've got a guest, Darren Tyler. He's an Enneagram 5, really, really Enneagram savvy. Uh, Just got back with Darren and Ian and a few other guys from Wyoming fishing. I'm still wearing my camo from that trip. But uh, listen, Darren is a fantastic uh, person, an amazing human being. He leads Operation Freedom where they're rescuing slaves from Southeast Asia. Last year, they freed 122 families. He is doing the work. So uh, just super happy to have him on. He also is pastor of Conduit Church here in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. So uh, Enneagram 5, Enneagram Savvy, uh, uses the Enneagram in his organization, uh, building his team. Really smart guy, bright guy, and a fun guy at that uh, fun hang. So I know you're going to love this interview. I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Cron.:
1: Darren Tyler, welcome to Typology. Ian, I am stoked to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like it when people are stoked to be in conversation <laughs> with uh, me and Anthony. You are an Enneagram 5.
2: Yes. And uh, I, we actually just hung out in Wyoming, and I remember I asked you or Anthony, well, maybe both of you, like, why do you guys not have 5s? And you said something like, "Well, you guys never want to do it. You never." I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's fair. Touche." Well, here I am.
1: Well, you know, it. You know, fives are hard to find for us, and they um, are typically hesitant about coming onto a show. Sometimes where um, they might be unprepared. You, you know what I mean? They, they may be put on the spot and not know an answer. Uh-huh. uh Where they uh, have to be... That checks out. <laughs> uh, transparent with personal information uh, about about who they are and how their world works. So sometimes it takes a little convincing to get fives on the show.
2: And is it just me or are there just not very many fives? Like, hmm. I don't know what the statistical numbers are. Mm-hmm but i have very uh, very rarely ever met uh, and more females by the way that i've met that are fives than males with it so you guys don't have like research on that is there no data somewhere that we can start from <laughs> oh wouldn't you like to know kind of do you yeah. know
0: uh,
1: you know enneagram teachers speculate all the time about what numbers appear more or less in the population but i, I don't put much stock in it because how could we know you know, how, that's, how, how could we know?
2: Well, you could, if you ran the numbers, like if you, like, <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? If you cast
2: a wide <laughs> enough net and do the research, like, I feel like, I, like maybe you, like, can I do this? Can I go to work on it?
0: And you can't. Yeah. You
1: can go lock <laughs> okay. yourself in a basement and go, get to God, work on the it. The last thing I need is another project to go right. down the five hole with. That's I'll, right.
0: I'll say what's interesting is because you just mentioned the five hole and this is, you said your wife refers to the cave, what used to be the cave as the five hole. Yeah. We've had multiple guests on who are fives too, I'm thinking of that when they when we did both of these via Zoom and when they came on screen, they were like in looked like what this uh looked like they were in a closet full of books.
1: Yeah, a <laughs> hobbit hole. A <laughs> hobbit hole built into the side of a of a grassy knoll. Yeah. Somewhere totally. in yeah. in the outskirts of uh, Yeah. Outlands of New Zealand somewhere For which sounds like
2: it just like like that makes my scalp tingle like with joy to <laughs> think of like this little wholesome place that I could go Yeah, like Don Miller talks about his little cave that he writes in and he's trying to sell that to people like that's a good idea I'm like that's What do you have to sell that that's a I, I would love to have that right like, like my dream right now So we have it. We just got done building a, a new expansion of our facility and, and I have an office now I haven't had an office in years because people can find me mm mm-hmm. um, but my dream now, because I've had this office, is that well, what if we put like a like a, a Home Depot shed? And this is a true story. Like on the back of the property, and we just put a little like air conditioner in it, like that, and I could just go back there and be in the cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the codes will not approve it, so it doesn't really matter what I want. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that wasn't normal, honestly. Yeah. Uh, until until I've really become more self aware, <laughs> I realize that that's just not how normal people go. But right. Um, but anyway, so finds uh Fives have their own caves with books. And yep. How many of them now are you guys coming across? that? So I, that was me until, so I travel a lot. And now most of my library fits on a Kindle. For a while I was a, I was a snob. Like I, you have to have paper, that whole right. thing.
1: But I'm still I, that snob, right. so you know.
2: But so th- feel me on this. You could carry your entire library in your backpack and it doesn't weigh any more. So if you're like on 12-hour, 18-hour flights, you've got your whole library. Because I've always got like four or five books going at the same time. Uh, so once I discovered that magic, I, 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 went Kindle and I never looked back, uh, with it. So like literally right now I've got five, uh, three of them are on audible, uh, but the, anyway. that's me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm that way.
1: So tell me a little bit about your Enneagram journey and how it was that you came to the conclusion you were a five. <laughs> like, why were you even interested in learning about the Enneagram?
2: So I stumbled into it, um, Like like a a lot of fives would, I stumbled into it a long time ago, but I just didn't tell anybody about it because I was just reading on it. And um, but then I began to realize as I was learning about people on my staff that were like, okay, I 100% know who this person is, but this book told me not to tell them who they are. But it helped me so much as I was navigating. You know, you guys said it in one of your uh, podcasts that. um, you're solving problems as a leader. You're always solving problems and the vast majority of them are personality problems. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the beginning. And then I brought in uh, somebody here locally to uh, go over that with us as a staff. And by that point, by the way, I still wasn't even sure that I was a five, which is kind of embarrassing now because it could not have been more obvious. But, uh, as we were kind of going through the day and at one point we're kind of like starting to land that I'm over there. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a seven, you know, because I like to eat a lot or, you know. <laughs> uh, and literally this, my staff was incredulous that I didn't know that I was a five. Like they're over like just hands up in the air waving They're five. And, but for, like that, it's like when you're, uh, the town I grew up in, we had this FM radio. So we had like one station you could get. It was in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska and you dial it in and get just the right spot. You could get the radio. And that was what that moment felt like to me. Mm. Uh, we called it FM Hill. It was, you had to go up really high on this little hill and you could get the station out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. Uh, but that day I was like, Oh, I just got it in. That's. And so that for me was uh, simultaneously a very freeing moment and also a very, well, wow, I've got a lot of work to do moment. Mm. Um, but man, it sure uh, it's helped me in my marriage. It's helped me with leadership with my, uh, of my own team. Uh, be able to communicate, but also to listen. Um, so that's seven years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Eight years ago? Okay. And then your book came out. How many years ago did that come out? The Five. Way? Five. I don't know if you guys get, like, do they keep track of who, who individually is buying all the books? Because we've given a lot of them away to our staff. So I feel like we should be, like, somewhere up there. Uh, because it was actually the first one, and maybe that was why it was hard for me to uh, talk about it, because the books I had read, they were super ethereal Uh and hard to land on but yours was like the first one i felt like i'd slide across the table to somebody Mm -hmm. and uh help them Mm -hmm. and so it's it's and i'll tell you this it's been great we work a lot in developing nations as well and the understanding that these are not just american ideas they're actually universal truths that god creates a person a specific way with a specific gift Uh And so a good example, this is one of the guys I work with in Haiti. His name is Jean-Marie, and he speaks, uh, he looks like the old Spice Man. Uh, but when you're translating, you need him to speak very, you know, what I'm saying in the way I'm saying it. Uh, and in, in Haiti especially, so there's a lot of confrontation. So I would I'd get him to, I'd, I'd say, tell him this, tell him this. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to say that. I don't want to. When I finally learned later, oh, you're a nine. That's why. I've literally got the, the guy with the big booming voice, but inside as hard as a peacemaker. So I, had, I learned to not put that on him, wow. uh, to pressure him in that way. And, and get it, he, he translates for me all the time. But when, when it's time for confrontation, I got another guy, and he's an eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gerald LeFleur. That's <laughs> and, amazing. And so he translates in those moments when you have to have a confrontation for me. And so uh, across the board in leadership, across the board in my own life, it's actually been a huge gift. So, and thanks, because your book really mm-hmm. was a big part of that. I don't know. It's not like I'm blowing sunlight up your dress, but, I'm,
1: <laughs> but I mean it. Like, Thank you. Uh, I never tire of appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's get, get some more. I'll write some down. That that would be great. So you said that you discovered as you learned about a five that you had work to do. What did you realize needed to be addressed in your life?
2: So our, our mutual friend, uh, I guess we'll, I'm using him again, Don Miller, uh, said once don't don't fives don't you don't they have like a hard time landing on something? And that for me was like oh that, that's totally me so because I 'm completely mm. comfortable having a hundred ideas uh, and so if you're so if, if I'm leading a staff and our staff is like fifteen people and they're kind of waiting for a decision to be made, and I'm completely comfortable for months spinning around these ideas because mm. I feel safe up there when I don't have to make a decision. Uh, so I realized then there's a point where I have to be able to say I actually have enough information and there is no more information here, uh, and, and that is usually a lot sooner than I think it is. Um, so I had mm-hmm. work to do there. Um, I had work to do in my parenting because my kids knew what I thought about everything and they didn't know how I felt about anything. Wow! And the realization that you know, as humans, we weren't really made to be head to head. You know, ideas are great, but we're actually designed to be heart to heart. That was. That's a big realization for me. Mm. So I think if I were to have them grade me on a, a scorecard, I'm still pretty, I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of room to grow there. Like for that, I mean, so that, like Ian, I got you here. I mean, I have all these questions. I've always wanted to ask you. Like
1: a five, you know, a five comes in and suddenly they're interviewing me. <laughs> well, I got questions. Uh,
2: Is that a skill
1: that I can learn? Like
2: violin to... Not go to my head first, or is this just sort of my thorn in the flesh that I, the cross that I bear, mm. um, that I will
1: always have that? But I, at least as long as I'm aware of it, like, what do you think that is? So we all have three centers of intelligence, right? We we are three-brained creatures, meaning we have a brain up here, obviously that oh. speaks to us, and we, you know, we partly it helps us process life as it comes at us. Uh, but we have a heart that is, in a way, its own brain, right? It it right. tells us things. The heart knows things hmm. and communicates with us. But we also have a brain that's the body, right? And the way I would put that is we have hunches. We have intuitions. We just have a feeling in our gut, Right. in the body, right? Oh, I got this feeling. You know what I mean? It's like just the body knows, you know, the body yeah. knows. And so I think... Well, the journey toward health for any type is, now you're a thinking type, five, sixes, and sevens, right? Yes, 100%. So you're in the thinking head center. So you're here, and you're, let's say your, your heart and your body centers are lower. I don't want you to change this. What I want you to do is work on what's called balancing your centers of intelligence so that you can come at life, or as life comes at you, you can process it and respond to it from all three centers. Because really, um, if you think about it, uh, a person who's not doing that work, you're really only drawing on one-third of your intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? So, Mm. you know, for example, bringing up your heart center, right? So your, your center that is repressed or, you know, let's say repressed, Um, is your feeling center so to bring the feeling center up right there are some practices that you can engage in with your children things like um asking them uh, how they feel versus what they think yeah it it could be purposely expressing uh, emotions with them physical touch with children hmm Sometimes fives uh, have pretty thick boundaries, like yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they don't they don't like to be touched necessarily. Yeah, you know, like if i have
2: tried to figure out how if I could enjoy a massage, if someone didn't actually touch me, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that doesn't happen. So I'm not like i like we don't do couples massages in my house, but.
1: yeah, right. Well, and we do actually, uh, which is funny because I'm all about touch. Yeah, right. So and and because of that, and because I know fives. I'm very careful about touching fives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like putting an arm around them, touching their shoulder, you know what I mean? Patting them on the back. I'm just yeah. more cautious when I'm around twos and other types, you know? Um, ones sometimes can be put off a little bit by that, you know? Um, and so I just tend to be, you know, paying attention to cues, Yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, I uh, God bless my wife, um, who's a two. Who's a two, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, um, so she's from North Dakota and like Viking blood, uh, <laughs> like, but, it, but at the same time, like fascinatingly beautiful, like genuinely, like when I moved into our neighborhood, uh, where we're at now, the, 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 whole neighborhood thought that I was a single father with five children, uh, cause they thought my wife was, uh, one of my kids, <laughs> um, uh, which I was both flattered and hurt by, but, um, But but the point is is that so she in her two phase is uh, is all heart all day, uh, and she does access her eight like and you never see it coming. But I have, um, man, I wish so. We've been married twenty seven years, and I wish that I would have had this language twenty seven years ago, because uh, she's all feelings, I'm all head, and I have made her so lonely for so many of those years. And and in the early, the early days she would say, honey, I'm so lonely and I'm, mm-hmm. um, and, and I sat in a room, um, do y'all know who Jeff Schulte is if I say that mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've sat in a room with, with Jeff and Chip Dodd and you know, you know, Chip's like this big, giant, a human of a man and he's, this sheet of paper in the middle of the room, uh, we're doing this intensive and he's like, you're supposed to say these nine feelings, how you feel. And I swear on all that is holy, I didn't know. I'm looking at it going, I, I I know what I think uh, about all this, but I didn't know. So that practice has helped me like to name um, what those are. But I still like that is, it, it always still starts in my head. And mm-hmm. I've always wondered, could I learn to turn that to my heart? Uh, or again, is this, it sounds like you're almost talking like you're mixing a record, right? If I could just get a little more mid in this
1: or take, mm-hmm. take the
2: mm-hmm. mid out maybe. Huh?
1: Well, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it will probably never be your first native language right
2: yeah. i'll uh, i'll speak heart but with an accent
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes right. probably but as time goes on maybe it'll become more natural and, and the accent mm, will the become accent won't be as heavy won't be as heavy huh. right well, that's hopeful. Um, and you, you you'll have to burn calories to do it it'll be heavier lifting right yeah and your temptation will be to constantly run back to the head center because that's where you're comfortable. Yeah. That's, you know, human beings like to conserve energy. That's just evolution, hmm. right? And so, it, you know, you, could, you conserve energy as a, a five, and it will be, feel draining to have to access or, or um, rely on that, that heart center. For you. Yeah. As with the body center, you know, we, we have a lot of fives that are what I would call disembodied. Like you have this sense that they um actually aren't at home in their body. Mm. Like like they're so in their head yeah. that sometimes you'll be looking at them and wondering, are you in there or are you a brain that's somewhere out here observing this interaction hmm. but not actually in it? So I've said this a million times on the show, but we're saying again, I've had five self-describe as I'm a person who sometimes my affect, my face looks like a blank computer screen.
2: Huh.
1: People look in it and they're like, not getting the emotion, yeah. not getting, you know, and it's sometimes just because you're so far back in the mental cave that your face, yeah. you're just not communicating your body. So we tell fives all the time, yoga, running, weightlifting, uh, anything that gets you back into the body. In, in a conversation mm-hmm. for you, here's a great thing. Uh, to start to focus on the breath. While you're having the conversation, mm-hmm. give 30% of your attention to, okay, my body. I can feel my butt on the chair. Get back into okay. my breath. Be present in this moment. Do not retreat into the cave. Just stay here as present to this interaction and as engaged mm. in it yeah. as I possibly can be with my body too.
2: The breathing is an interesting thing because it was a few years ago that I noticed every once in a while I would do this thing where I was like reading or something and I would just be like, <gasps> like i And apparently, I just had not been breathing very much, like uh, holding your
0: breath. I don't
2: know. Like it was like a sleep apnea while I was wide awake. (laughs) Wow! um, Wow. But but I wasn't paying attention to breathing at Mm. all. And in in the past few years, as that awareness grew, so part of that work was that I that I still do. um, Is it even changed like my prayer life? It changed like um, Mm. the way that I'm interacting. Which then it would have been all head, 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 and sometimes Mm -hmm. just to put on you know music and to. Uh, to sit still like, like I don't know if any other fives have ever explained their brains this way this might I don't know if it's five with a little ADHD mixed with it but um, it feels a lot like remember those bingo or uh, the lottery where they the, the barrel or the bucket the basket would, and the little uh, yeah. balls would come up and the numbers uh-huh. and you win yeah. you know My brain feels a lot like that. I'm just hoping that whatever comes up is a sentence that is coherent. Like, it's just all these thoughts that are always going. Like, I, hearing the idea of even like, okay, everybody, you know, just clear your brain. Don't, don't think right now. I'm like, I don't even know what that means to be able to do that. Um, I heard somebody once describe like prayerful meditation doesn't mean don't think that because obviously I just thought it, but it's more like acknowledge it. Like, you're like, we were in the stream fishing like just watching the water go by so i'm not chasing it but i'm also not because i can't stop it and, and that has helped a lot mm-hmm. um as far as focusing in on uh, just breathing and allowing my brain to quiet a little bit um and of course phones and computers uh th- these were like crack cocaine for my brain like when when I was younger, like if you're out running or whatever, you had to uh, AM radio or uh, NPR. And it was only if this American life happened to be on <laughs> a Saturday afternoon, you know? Uh, yeah. But when podcasts came out, I was like, this is heaven to me. Cause I can do them all. And I could do radio lab, like a whole marathon of them, like on a plane. And uh, But then I realized though, part of that was me numbing uh, as well. Like if I, when I find myself chasing information, uh, there's a point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I must be. I wonder if I'm numbing something right now. Is there something mm-hmm. that my heart is telling me here? Um, because I, so the only language I have is I feel like if God created us in a certain way with certain gifts, then if if there's an enemy that He would want to wound that gift, in a way that would uh, use it then as my weakness more than my strength. And mm-hmm. so I've tried to pay attention, even in this last year when we were trapped inside. Uh, Cause I mean, I was just doom scrolling man on the internet, just trying to learn. And, uh, at some point I'm like, Oh, I, I, I am like literally crushing my soul with information. I'm not any safer than I was an hour ago. Right. Um, so I was limiting myself to, okay, during this hour of the day, I'm allowed to go do this, but then for the rest of the day, um, or I would bundle it is what I call it. Like you, uh, I can listen to this podcast, but only if I'm walking, uh, in the neighborhood. So I was getting like 15, 20,000 steps a day to completely screwed up my planner, fast, whatever that thing is in the bottom of your foot is. <laughs> Cause I was listening to a lot of information, I was like, but I have to keep walking. I was like punishing myself almost uh, like a masochist. Like I punish myself. I got to walk if I'm going to get this information in. Um, That's really
0: good though. We've talked about that before of limiting the five, limiting themselves to an hour of online you mm-hmm. know, internet activity a day. So you're not just consuming the information to, to yeah. numb out or whatever it might be.
1: So, tell me just tell me a little bit about your family of origin. Oh yeah, <laughs> tell me a little bit about it.
2: So, my father, uh, who's still alive, mm. um, was raised by a uh, raging alcoholic, abusive father, uh, who himself was adopted. So, like in nineteen hundreds, like mm. like a, that kind of an orphanage in Omaha, you know. Wow. So, and we never knew that. We didn't know because nobody ever talked about it so i grew up in a home with a father that had of course the tools that he was given uh by his father and a mother whose uh origin story was almost as complicated mm. so um like some of my earliest memories are of my dad's taillights of the truck uh him going fishing or going someplace and uh he had this old chevy i wish i had it now cause it's probably worth a lot of money at least the kids would think i was cool with it but but he would go without us, and so I remember that, and I remember a mom that was very afraid. She passed away about 15 years ago, but she lived in this constant state of fear. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh no wonder she was scared. He, my dad wasn't working. At one point, he was. Uh, he had, back before it was cool to uh, for opioids. You know, he had gotten addicted to prescription pain meds in the 80s, and nobody knew what it was. So he was gone a good portion of my like eight to 11 years old, whether it's hospital or so there was a lot of that and a lot of medical crisis going on Mm -hmm. and a lot of, um, realizations for me that, um, at that point in my life, there was a lot of stuff that if it was going to happen, that I was on my own, that I had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so whether that was lunch at school, uh, or, you know, I have this, I have this scar on my knee to this day that is, uh, I'd cut my leg open when I was, like, uh, fifth grade with a, with a machete. And it was, it was pretty bad. But, you know, it's fifth grade. And so I, I, my dad had been sleeping. I went in to wake him up. Uh, and so he gets up, and he sort of band-aids it back together and then goes back to sleep. And, you know, I ended up getting 15 stitches later that day when, like, I, I bled out of the, uh, the band-aids. Uh, but that was, you know, at that point, my, like, I used to tell that story like it was funny. Um, And I guess, again, it was Jeff Schulte. He's like, Darren, that's not a funny story. Mm. That's like effing sad, man. Mm -hmm, That's a sad story. Uh, And so, but the the journey was that, a father that um, he's so kind and everybody loves my dad. And he just doesn't have the tools that uh, he had a cell phone for. I, I think he might be a five, to be quite honest, because he actually got a cell phone for about a week until he realized people could call him. Uh, and then he got rid of it, and so he still you call him now you get like an answering machine it 's not even a, not even a voicemail it 's like a machine with a tape on it still <laughs> um, but that was uh that was you know it was the family we were in. we didn't have any money, we were super poor um, you know food stamps and, and uh, government assistance. And when I was 18 years old, I, I got in my little just piece of junk Oldsmobile, Buick, whatever car, uh, and drove out of town like that night. Because I I don't know what I felt like I was running from something, or maybe I was running to something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they're they're Midwestern people. You know the uh, very kind and very you know hearty and. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so if you're going to give your childhood, you're going to write a memoir about your childhood. Let's say ages zero to 18 what what would then what would you name the memoir?
2: I'm on my own
1: mm. okay, I'm on my own so typically fives describe one of three uh conditions that or challenges they face as children. one would be that they had a parent that was smothering, right so uh let's say a mom or a dad that just was psychologically crowding in you know like it was you know it could be a hovering parent or it's just too
2: like Bev on the Goldbergs
1: I guess I don't know who that is but but I'll I'll take it but you know what I'm saying like just too much enmeshment okay right Uh, another one would be a parent that was too possessive Mm. right or controlling right and or they go the other side and would say that they experienced a great deal of abandonment.
2: Yeah, that was us. We were f- uh, free-ranged as children.
1: Right, wow. right.
2: Loping uh, the door in the morning, right. and we would, like chickens, make our way home. Right. By I actually don't even know what we did for lunch now that I think, but maybe we just didn't eat lunch. But well, we would come home at night, and you know, right. most of us were alive, and so they seemed like that was successful.
1: Now, remember that 5, 6, and 7s have real or perceived feelings of deficiency around safety, security, and certainty. Oh, okay. Can you have all three of those? Is yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. I don't want to have to pick one. So it's, it's, you know, your, your issue for five, sixes and sevens is fear. Fives go in with the fear as a way to manage fear. Sevens go out. Right. And sixes just don't know. They're ambivalent huh. about fear. So twos, threes, and fours, it's going to be around issues of esteem and approval. Am I loved? Am I liked? Am I appreciated? Am I valued? Right? Right. So real or perceived, you know, uh, trauma growing up creates this deficiency and that becomes, uh, launches them on a quest for esteem and approval through different strategies. Right. Eight, nines and ones would be around mastery and control. Right? Yep. So we all need to have a sense of control in the world, right? Like we can, uh, control, um, ourselves that we can control appropriately other people. You know, if we cry, someone comes to help us. You, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like we, we have a sense of mastery and, um, individuation. Um, and so with that five, six, seven, I'm just using all those as mm-hmm. by, by way of opportunity just to tell people a little bit about this with five, six and seven, I think, you know, uh, fear and security you, you you've got a management system to deal with a frightening world a world that feels overwhelming draining and intrusive if you experience abandonment what better mm. safer place than to go up into the head right yeah and create this world of thought of processing right um and uh, to cope right and to deal with the world yeah and uh so i i I can hear that in your story.
0: Yeah, the
2: deficiency part defines... Uh, so I, before, I w- in my current world, uh, where I am now, I was in the music business for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I had this sense... That a safe I, business. I, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. sometimes fives can make their dumbest decisions. <laughs> but I um, found myself in a world where i thought if they find out who i really am they'll fire me like i so i began to have to play this role um because i you know i'm thinking i'm like the and i, I don't mean this offensive because it's talking about myself but i'm like a white trash kid um with borderline hoarding you know family members and if they find that out because i mean at one point i was over here in an office off of uh west end avenue at uh uh, william morris agency and my mother thought that uh, they made cigarettes and so we just <laughs> mom that's philip morris <laughs> and what do you do again <laughs> i make terry we're, we're, we're rolling the <laughs> fat ones <Mom. laughs> um but i uh i found myself though in the 90s uh having what I later learned were panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what it was. And it's embarrassing, Mm -hmm. but the way I learned about it was Donny Osmond was talking about it on a show. I'd walk through the living room and the Osmonds were on and he was talking about panic attacks. I'm like, that's that's what happened to me. And then I didn't tell anybody because it was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would just white knuckle my way through it. Um, But I think that that was what it was from, that deficiency, but me trying to overcompensate for it in a world that I didn't fit in uh, and it's followed me. I mean, I still mm. argue with my head all day long. You know, if I'm standing in front of a group of people saying things, I'm looking out and I go, okay, "That guy went to Harvard, and this guy has like an MDiv, and and I like dropped out of Bible college. Like, <laughs> the guy that's so. There's that. Um, and I just came to this realization literally in the last year that a lot of the preparation that I had been doing was creating my own crisis almost. But mm. um, but it was in trying to uh, impress those people that were sitting there so they wouldn't know Mm. that I'm deficient, uh, in these ways. And it's, and at some point, I mean, I literally, you, you, you're like, I've got pages and pages and pages and pages of notes. and I've got 30 minutes, so I know I can't use all of this stuff. Um, but I would wait. I mean, I'm like Saturday night, I'm up there just busting it, trying to get it ready. And, and the, the realization now is I'm done like this morning. I'm done. Um, no, I'm not done. I'll start on it tomorrow. But I'm—I would have been all day today, and then I would have made my wife extremely lonely tonight because she'd be talking to me, but I'd, she'd be talking through me because all I'm thinking about is what I got to say the next day. Uh, so I have been working on that. But that deficiency thing—you um, mm. know—I'm 50. I'm a half of a century old, and that sort of that message, I think, still—it still resonates.
1: So it's interesting to me that I, I know several fives who have shared with me that their greatest fear is that people will discover they're stupid. Hmm. And I've heard this from very well educated, very successful fives. Now, all human beings compare themselves to others, right? It's just, we do that, right? If we overdo it, we tend to always end up at the, the, you know, feeling inferior, feeling lesser than. But, It's always curious to me that fives who tend to know a lot about a lot of things Mm -hmm. uh, who oftentimes um, have grown into a place of tremendous wisdom carry this secret fear that not only that they're uh, deficient intellectually or knowledge-wise deficient, but others might find out, which is why fives, like when you're doing a sermon or you're getting ready for a staff meeting or that kind of stuff, they want to cover all the bases. They wanna, there's this kind of, um, I don't want to be found out. I want to make sure I appear very prepared and like I really know my stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't surprise me that you're describing the, that, that kind of an experience, you know, and I think part of the journey is for all the types, right, is I'm, you know, I'm enough the way I am. That's just the human condition, but I think with fives is a very common story.
2: It was for me a journey of. So I didn't mean to start a church. I didn't mean to do what we're doing now. We just. I had a friend in Haiti that had that needed help, and so we just started helping him. And that's about as much thought as we put into it. That was like eighteen years ago, and but a church grew up around it. And for the longest time, I've I've almost treated the church like it was an interruption of my work, um, because you know for me, and even that was not necessarily about my heart. I, that was a weird realization of like the, the, you must have a lot of compassion and a lot of mm-hmm. empathy and and but but I didn't. I was just really angry mm. because it wasn't fair that that five year old in Haiti was he didn't choose to be born. That's not his fault, and that was uh, where the journey started for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the church kind of grew up after that. And I, I realized later that it was almost like, because I don't know, but like, probably like you guys, I had a lot of opinions about how churches were and what, what was happening. And a little bit of God just saying, hey, put your money where your mouth is, you mm-hmm. know, big shot. You can run your mouth about it. Why don't you, you know, do something about it? And so the, the church itself grew out of that. And so, uh, I've since come to embrace this. The whole point of saying this, I've come to embrace that I do have to say something thoughtful that somebody's going to give up an hour and a half of their time on a Sunday. That I, they deserve me to be prepared. Like, I'm an
1: Episcopalian. Really... We, we we aim for fifty minutes. 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you ought to come our way, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys doing at a Church of the City, Anthony? About sixty-two <laughs> minutes. Is that like on the timer? Yeah, uh, really. We, <laughs> well, and I have thirty minutes. Is what is my part. So. Uh, and by the way, every week we also give ten minutes of that to telling the stories of what's happening. Like we've been freeing slaves in uh, Southeast Asia the last year. We freed uh, almost mm. 150 families. Um, so we, uh, there's, there's this is Bible verse uh, Hebrews 10:24. When you come together, inspire one another to love and to good deeds. And so people joke that our church is like going to a, a GoFundMe for church. Um, <laughs> but that's part of it. But I've realized though that it was a, a it wasn't about the, the that I was sad for them, it was that I was angry for them. Um, and then it would literally became about uh, logic. And then I've learned later, I guess, that I'm the, this thing, uh, the problem solver, is that sort of, I get a five with a six wing, is that the, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I've heard that. I spend a lot of time solving problems. I mean, the, the president of Haiti was assassinated two days ago. Mm-hmm. And so we've already been buying food. We've already been getting our, our ducks in a row. So if, if a crisis unfolds with it, uh, Uganda's in a lockdown, we've been sending food over there. Um, uh, so that part I come alive in those moments. Like mm-hmm. that, that makes me feel very vibes
1: are great in a crisis. It makes me feel alive, the, the, awesome in a crisis because they don't let their emotions get in the way.
2: Well, and I'll tell you though, there's a downside to that, and I learned that last year. Um, is that I was very uh, mathematical about what we were doing, and uh, but I also had to. I kept having to come back and remember. But this is real. Uh, this is really affected people personally and emotionally here. Mm. Uh, one of the things I heard that was uh, and there might have been truth and I don't know that it seems like you care a whole lot more about those kids over there than you do about us. Um, Interesting. And I was like "Eh, I mean I don't think I do but uh, I will say this when we all had to go live stream like I knew that you guys at Church of the City were about you already had like a world class production we were looking you know like a hostage video ours looked like so uh, we were (laughs) Because I just didn't care. But uh, I knew this, though, that I needed heart in that. And so and my wife is not a front person. She's not a big mm-hmm. fan of the microphone. But, baby, I need you to sit by me because these people need to know that somebody feels what's going on. Mm. And I'm not going to lead that
0: way. Well, it's interesting, uh, too, because a second ago when you brought up the child in Haiti, it almost sounded emotional. like you. Yeah, it gets me. And so it, it makes sense that you, if you have this sort of sense of emotion really connected to that and then here at home, yeah. It's not as easily accessible.
2: Well, yeah. So, uh, and again, on the five things, I don't have emotion a lot. A lot of times I'm hearing people whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa. You do have emotion.
2: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. It's I, harder to I, access. I, yeah, because I'm thinking about it more. But uh, it, 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 I have less tolerance for problems in the United States. Um, mm. That just don't seem as big to me. But the, here's the thing: that they are big. If it's your crisis, it's big. And I've had to really mm. give myself a, a. I've cut my you know, cut my own wings in that. But there are definitely days I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Like this, I'm literally they're dying like right now, mm-hmm. and I, I know that your water bill's high or whatever. Um, but I've definitely learned to try to access that part of me, the empathy for it. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what we we started this for. And I mean. Uh, it, it's uh, so much of what the, uh, the, the Bible, which is of course what we hold to and I know others may, may not, but uh, it talks about orphans and widows and caring for those who can't care for themselves. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and, and, and my story was, by the way, that, that a little church in this little tiny town comes into town. And so the story of I'm on my own is actually not even a true story because that church was there and that church came along and helped. And so I feel like there, there's a little bit of that me repeating that story now that we are that church. Mm-hmm to help and to, uh, and it's no longer, uh, again, I keep quoting Schulte, but he, he really, uh, he wrung me out like a chamois, man, just <laughs> every last drip. But he's like, you know, Darren, you didn't go there to rescue those kids. You went there to rescue you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a pretty big piece of awareness for me. And, but to be able to come out of that now in a way where it's like, okay, I don't have to go there anymore to fill some hole that my father left in me. Uh, I can actually go there out of an abundance of, of mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. And it does feel different. Um, to to go for that reason I'm still angry I still think it's not fair and I still think that if Mm -hmm. you know if if I'm just going to sit around and and, and bitch about it or if we're going to do something about it Mm -hmm. and that's what uh, it's what we've done as a church I mean it's we're not for everybody I mean there's a lot of people in Williamson County that you know that's not a big big thing for them and I totally get it but I can grow old doing that
1: so again you got emotional when you're talking about (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) this uh, idea that you know, I, I, you started this church to not to to save those folks, but to save yourself, right, or to heal yourself. How would we want to put that? Hmm. Is that what he said? Yeah, he said
2: Um, this is actually, I guess the church had already started by that point. Uh, but we, so, 50 to 60% of the gross revenues that come in through our organization, uh, through the church, go actually out to those causes. And we are deadly serious about it. Um, But uh, but yeah, it was, I, I think the church part of me that, that I had to grow up around was I had had this vision of what a church was going to be and what, uh, I mean, I, I would like people to I would tell people on a plane, I'm a, a president of a nonprofit or, you know, which is technically true. Um, but I couldn't I I'd choke on the words pastor cause it just didn't feel like what we were, what I was. Um, but the realization though, that that, uh, actually was the design of a, what a church, I, th- I think I can make a biblical case for this, that the church was actually meant to be that, like mm-hmm. that church in Acts, that's what they were doing.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I asked you a question about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see that? I didn't even notice that. And, and we went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a good discourse, I'm uh, not saying it, uh, it uh, no. full of good thoughts. Um, you need to dial and mix it in, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back. Okay. What would you have to feel, do you think? What emotion, well, let me put it this way. What emotion do you think you have organized your life around avoiding? Loneliness. That came up fast. Yeah. Tell me about that.
2: The week that I sat with uh, those guys uh, looking at that stupid piece of paper all week long, mm-hmm. at the end of the week, they said, you know, there was one of these that you never
1: said. Okay, this is Schulte in, yeah. okay, the list of feelings. Yeah, yeah, okay. sorry
2: uh, there's one that you never said. And there's like these nine feelings. It's anger and joy. And, and, uh, and I had no idea which one it was. And they're like, it's, it's loneliness. Hmm. And the reason is because that's what you feel the most. It's like, that's your water as a fish that you're swimming in. So you don't even know it's there. Mm -hmm. And it's why it's so lonely to be with you. Uh, which again, dialing in the radio. That's why my wife has been telling me I'm so lonely when I'm with you. Um, and me saying, look, I got, I'm giving you everything I got. Like I literally have nothing else to give. I don't know what to do. Uh, now I know uh, what she needs. And when I think back, before I probably would have said anger, um, but realizing I think that's it, that there's a connection that I don't have Uh, Even to when I first floated the idea that we might have started a church, to my wife, she laughed and said, "You don't even like people. How could you be (laughs) attached?" I was like, "Okay, you're right. Never mind. I guess we're done here." Um, But what that was was, you know, the 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 loneliness piece in me. Of so,
1: you can feel lonely in a crowd. Oh, still, yeah, to this day.
2: I didn't know that's what I felt.
1: Right. Okay. So um let me throw another word at you and and you tell me if it's something that might also be in that suite of feelings that you may organize your life around avoiding grief
2: yeah 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 when i think about it from um i mean i guess we probably go through each one of these one by one (laughs) but um but for sure, uh, like sadness in general felt like something I had to overcome, like it was in my way. You know, when mm-hmm. we were young, there was... Uh, I've actually, I've never seen my dad cry ever. Um, that's not true. I saw him once, and it was when my mom was passing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all in the same room. That was the first time. And I thought, oh, he does love her. Like, oh, that was actually a really meaningful moment. Um, and when my daughter got married... Uh, f- Five, four years ago now uh she asked me to do the wedding and i was stupid enough to say yes um and i'm realizing i i'm, I'm not gonna be able to make it through this i'm gonna be a a, a, a puddle mm. uh because by that point i would already started doing work around my heart around my emotions and so i'm like practicing this wedding ceremony looking at a picture of her when she's five because in my mind that's who i'm marrying off is this five-year-old little girl to this guy who's by the way a very wonderful human being but he's marrying my five-year-old daughter um but I've, I, the lesson that I took away from that was the gift that I could give her was for her to let to see me see me mm. cry was a gift mm. that I could give her. And, uh, and boy, did she. Like it was like, I'm never gonna make it through this. I'm gonna have to get like a stunt preacher to come in here and, and run through this <laughs> to do the wedding. But uh, on any given day, if you're talking about what I would organize my life around avoiding, um, which I might have misunderstood the question and said loneliness, but yeah, I think that's probably it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's very insightful, and it certainly is consistent with how you described your upbringing, you know, Uh, and the need to raise yourself, Mm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of the journey for Fives, right, is fairly obvious, which is to uh, come out of this small story about who they are and how the world works, that they've been telling themselves forever. That this world is a scary place. The only way I'm going to survive is if I retreat up into this, you know, m- mental fortress, and um, you know, avoid anything that's going to drain my energy, particularly relationships. Conserving energy is going to be, re- you know, yeah. because we live in a world that's characterized by scarcity, not by abundance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and into a story, a larger story. A better story, a truer story that uh, of a a world that's abundant, where they have the resources to connect with other people, uh, where relationships uh, of the heart uh, matter and they're able to enter into them. Mm -hmm. You know, they've worked to enter into them. And also just to recognize that the divine, uh, you know, has their back. I I've told this story but I never tire of telling it in fact I think it's our newsletter this week going out to our subscription members it's a uh, have you read Houston Smith Mm-mm. oh well you've got to love I... yourself some Houston Smith okay so Houston Smith was the preeminent world religion scholar in the world still can cons- maybe considered that his textbook was the seminal textbook for decades um, world religions okay the ultimate seven by the way huh. he he would be a buddhist for a decade and then a hindu for a decade a christian for a decade you know what i mean like each one sounded more fun the next time well there's that but also <laughs> this incredible curiosity right uh, okay. uh and he um at the end of his life he was like 92 years old he's being interviewed for someone else who's writing a memoir of him or a biography of him and they said to him after all these years of studying all these world religions. What conclusion have you come to about the universe? What spiritual conclusion have you arrived at? And without hardly pausing, he said, we're in good hands.
2: That's pretty profound, huh? Yeah. And I and think those of if, us that come from the Christian faith would say those hands have holes in them would say that they love us.
1: Right. Okay. Now, the five, six, and seven have to really learn that. That is mm. the big message for five, sixes, and sevens. Mm. We're in good hands. You don't need to run into the metal cave to feel safe and secure. Yeah. The six doesn't need to keep preparing for the worst or forge strong alliances with other people who could help them if crisis came up. They don't. Huh. They don't need to uh, constantly be checking in with all these other people to make sure the decisions they're making are right and they'll be safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, sevens don't need to live in this constant preoccupation with the future where it's going to be fun and there can be adventures and escapades which is a way of bypassing the fear right of, of dealing with the anxiety of feeling like we live in a a world that is frightening and chaotic and um, where no one will be there to support me in hard feelings and times right yeah and so again this deficiency in safety and security but where in your gospel does it say you're not safe be afraid
2: yeah and exactly the opposite right you know yes uh in the words of jesus yeah they're you're safe in my hands no one can pluck you from them
1: yeah okay right and so two three four where does it say in the gospel that that you cannot be loved, as you are. Where does it, you yeah. know? And I can go on and on, right? Yeah, yeah. All these, all these stories that each type tells themselves are in direct opposition to the story that Christians claim is true. Yeah.
2: In some ways, it makes me a functional atheist when you think about it. Like I, or a situational atheist. Like in this moment, I'm because I'm not embracing that.
1: Well, you're a contradiction. That's maybe a kinder way to say it. All of us are contradictions. Man, that's probably that is nicer, isn't it? You know, we're all contradictions. Yeah. We, we all claim one thing and believe another. We all do one thing, even though we say we believe something that doesn't seem consistent with the behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it's learning to close the gap on that stuff, mm. you know.
2: So why do I, I I've, again, I got Ian here, so I got to ask the expert. I put myself in pretty dangerous situations. Um not on purpose necessarily but my my job requires it of me but then I get in it, I'm thinking when was I thinking like I'm literally in Haiti to like a month ago whatever and like kidnappings are raging and I'm down here thinking and and my wife is so supportive I mean she would definitely rather be a widow than married to a coward I mean I'm sure of that but uh you know she was like no this is where you got to go you got to go but but, what, but like, what do you think that is about me that keeps? Because I didn't have to go. I felt like I needed to go. I felt like they needed me to go. Sure. But do fives put themselves in risky situations?
1: Uh. Well, apparently one does. <laughs> I mean, you know, people are funny. It's just huh. you know, type is not. Type is really more. Uh, what do I want to say? Is type's not predictive. Like, like it, it, okay. it, I think it talks more in terms of probabilities than predictions. It is probable that this type will do X, Y, and Z, but it is not predictive, it's not for sure, yeah. that that type will do it. Remember, you're also on a line with eight, so when fives are doing well, they get a lot of eight energy, lots of eight yeah. energy, and so I'm not surprised that you would do that. And also, they're great in crises, like I said earlier, because. Uh, they bring a non-anxious presence to it. It's like me, I, you know, I got a lot of feelings. So anxiety comes up, fear comes, you know, all kinds of stuff might come up. Uh, grief, anguish, it could paralyze me. My feelings could paralyze me. You're not paralyzed by feelings.
2: Yeah, right? that's, that's true. And maybe that's it. Maybe, mm. that, maybe you just helped me answer the question. Because it's almost like my version of being like uh, in an, uh, an ER doctor um, I just, I'm okay in that world because there's stuff flying around, but since I don't have any emotions about it, or maybe I do, they're just so repressed, uh, you know, whether it was the earthquake or whatever, like I've, um, I felt okay in those situations. Um, I, I felt alive, honestly. I mean, that's the weird thing. That's and okay that's the eight thing. Mm-hmm. I just wanna mm-hmm.
1: say, remember that fives, mm-hmm. when they're doing well, tend to look and act like mm-hmm. healthy eights. Mm-hmm. They'd be, you know, in your, ki- in your case, a concern with justice. With fairness, uh, with you know, you're courageous, you're fearless in those moments like an eight would be. When you're not doing great, you look like a not so healthy seven. (laughs) In which times your brain becomes overwhelmed with thoughts, you can't put them together in a linear fashion. Mm. you start to go down rabbit holes where you're collecting, you're gluttonously going after information and not able to stop writing 90-minute sermons. You know, that's when you can know,
0: I'm not in a healthy place. I
1: am not in a healthy Mm. place, right? But like in eight, that high side of eight, you would be much more likely to be able to say, you know, I'm not prepared, but I'm getting up there and I'm doing it anyway. There's this (laughs) sort of lust, gusto, Life force going right. on When that five Is at the high side of eight And then everybody goes That's awesome You, you know what I mean yeah. In other words Wow No script You're just speaking Right from your gut Like an eight would Right Right
2: So Huh Which I've, I've, I've So when I'm overseas If you guys have ever traveled You know that you whatever, Wherever you are If, if you're a, a white person From America They will hand you a microphone At some, at some point And ask you to talk mm-hmm. With no warning Well particularly I, If you're a pastor Yeah mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. But, uh, I've never panicked in those situations cause I feel in, I guess in the eight zone, but I would never do that here ever. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I did, I would be utterly terrified to not have like not only written it, but also rehearsed it like five times. For some reason, that's my number. If I rehearse it five times, then I know that I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Cause I've never done it uh, with four times, but at five times I'll do it. But, uh, I guess that maybe is the seven energy, huh? Maybe. Good huh. Anyway.
1: Well, man, I'll tell you, we, we do love having fives on the show because, um, like I said, there's a dearth of them. <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's slim pickings. So listen out there, fives, if, uh, you know, you or somebody, could get a hold of us, man. We need us some, some fives who've done some work. And I admit, I've just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And as you mentioned earlier, we had the opportunity to spend a week together in Wyoming fishing and, and uh, hanging out on a river, just the two of us, actually, with yeah, a guy. Yeah, it was great, yeah. Um, and uh, talking Enneagram stuff at night. And, and uh, man, just thank you for being part of the yeah. Typology family and being here today. Well,
2: thank you, man. I, I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed watching you even interact with I, – I noticed this – the young guys that were there that were like the 20-year-olds uh, that are just there making no money to serve, whatever. And you were, everywhere I looked, there was Ian hanging out and investing in one of those young, whether it's songwriter or whatever. And anyway, I was just very, I noticed that and I was very impressed with it. Hmm. And uh, and I know you made some super meaningful connections with lots, including me, uh, but you really made some huge meaningful connections with those hmm. young people as well.
1: Well, it was... It was a good time, man. <laughs> it really was. Even Anthony was there. and
0: it was... Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. <You> had, <laughs> Anthony was kind of working
1: Anthony well had a there. lot of other stuff going on, man. I mean, Anthony's the only person I know could be in the woods of Wyoming and mixing a record at the same know, time, right? man.
2: And here's the thing. It's going to sound really
1: good. I'll bet my <laughs> yeah, left arm it, it, that it's going it to sound be, great. It'll be great. Uh, well, everybody, Typology listeners, don't forget, we love you. We are delighted that you are in our universe And these words too, remember them. May you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, may you have rest. Until next time.